Our first reading is from Psalm 85, prayer for the restoration of God's favor. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O Lord of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at a hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss one another. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Our second reading is from Acts 2 verses 14 to 24. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Well, as Ruth said, we're delighted to welcome Diane here this morning. So, Diane, would you like to come up and join me up here? Thank you very much. Um, I was hearing about your train and having to come down last night and not being able to come down this morning, so we really appreciate the effort that you've made this morning and to share God's Word with us. Would you mind if I prayed for you before we begin? Lord, thank you for Diane. Thank you for this, the start of her year as Baptist Union President. Thank you for the message that she is going to share with us this morning. 
Prepare our hearts to receive that message and to learn and to go forth and act upon it. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Over to you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for the uh, privilege of being here. Um, you've got a great team, haven't you? Dawn and Simon and Ruth. Um, I don't know if Dawn knows, we tried to get her to come to the East Midlands. That, we certainly talked about it, but then we heard she was coming to Bloomsbury, so uh, you got in first. And then um, Simon's always so charming and delightful. Andy wrote an excellent review of a book I wrote with my husband, so thank you, Simon. And Ruth, I got to know Ruth on a Radio 4 programme. Uh, there was, it was about Baptist history. And there was Ruth, and there was Peter with their PhDs in Baptist history, and then there was me. And they were so kind, because they could have massacred me on that day. But, uh, and, and actually the uh, presenter was desperately trying to get us to have an argument on air. But we weren't going there, and Ruth's graciousness just uh, was so lovely on that occasion. So it is a delight to be here, and it's a delight to share with you. Uh, the theme, something of the theme of uh, being president, which, uh, I, which is all about as in heaven. And we've already said it this morning, haven't we, in the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. And uh, I'm learning as I go around, and this is probably about the eighth time I've spoken on it, that it's such a rich and wide theme and uh, today, understandably, it's uh, as in heaven in Pentecost. How does that work? And I suppose well, my thoughts uh, begin with, actually, you don't have to be a Christian to want the world to be a different place, do you? Actually, I honestly believe that most of our politicians, we manage to keep clear of the fact that we have something rather else rather important going on on Thursday, and perhaps that will come up in the intercessions, I don't know, but I just, we have a general election. And whatever you think, and I'm not making any party comments here at all, actually I do believe that Jeremy Corbyn, Theresa May, Tim Farron, the Greens, actually all think they can make the world a better place. I hope they do. I hope that's why they're in politics. And down the centuries, people have dreamt of a better society. All kinds of people, from Martin Luther and Gutenberg to Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs, they've all believed that what they were doing might make the world uh, somehow better than it is. And it is astonishing when you think about where we've come from 150 years ago, any speaker who called for women's votes or laws <clears throat> protecting the environment or workers' rights to form unions or progressive income tax, a national living wage, old age insurance, they would be considered an impractical, utopian dreamer. And yet now we have them all. What one generation thinks is a dream, another generation just takes as common sense. But actually, as God's people, as we gather on this Pentecost Sunday, we are in the business, too, of wanting a better world. And perhaps, in, and, and obviously, in deeper ways, we would claim, than perhaps even Bill Gates and 
Steve Jobs and any of the politicians. When we pray as in heaven, we are praying, Lord, may you come amongst us in deeper ways and greater ways. May we see more of your presence, more of your kingdom in all that we are, in my life, in our community, in our nation, in our globe. And so when we pray as in heaven, what are we asking? We say it so often. Maybe some of us have prayed as in heaven a thousand or more times. But do you know heaven is where God is at home? It's that lovely verse in Kings and it's repeated a number of times, where God dwells and lives. And I know that's metaphorical, for God's home is spiritual. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But actually, God is at home where there is love and peace, where people are working together for justice and goodness and holiness, where there is sacrifice and beauty and joy, where compassion are the foundation of everything. That lovely psalm that was read to us, where justice and joy meet, or righteousness and peace gather. That's where God feels at home. And when we pray as in heaven, we are praying deep prayers that God's kingdom might come in all these different ways. As Baptist Union president, one of the privileges I have had is to be sent by BMS overseas. And uh, I went to Kathmandu, went to Nepal. And one of the lovely things I saw there was a special needs school. And a special needs school with children with all kinds of physical and mental and emotional special needs. And in a culture of Buddhism where if you have a special needs child somewhere along the line, you have done something wrong, special needs school don't come high on anybody's agenda. But they do for the people of God. It is the people of God who have set up this church, the, this, this school, the Christians. And you see a glimpse of heaven in the love and the joy in the children and the parents and the staff in a school where they are simply caring for those in need. And as we seek heaven on earth on this Pentecost Sunday, we are reminded there can be no heaven on earth without the Holy Spirit at work amongst us. Bloomsbury Baptist, with all its heritage and history, opportunities, ministries and mission, without the daily outworking of the Holy Spirit, then we cannot see heaven on earth. We know too much, and scripture tells us, of our brokenness and our flaws. And great as our ministry team is, or, and, and all of us are, we are not perfect. And we need the Holy Spirit every day to help us to be all that God intended us to be. Before we can see God's kingdom and be a channel of his peace and his grace, we need to receive his forgiveness as is laid before us. We need to be reminded of the love of God shown in sacrifice. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, and maybe I just am projecting onto you my own weaknesses, I rush in, I go off and do things and then say, oh Lord, would you bless that? Instead of starting seeking God and his Holy Spirit. 
And you will know that throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is spoken of in so many diverse ways. And on Pentecost Sunday, we remind ourselves that God came to fulfill his purposes in extraordinary and unusual ways. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit a number of times. And so we must be obedient and trust and wait for God's Spirit to guide us and lead us. And of course, it is in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came in diverse ways, but for a purpose. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon Bezalel so that he could be a most outstanding stonemason and do artistic things really well. And so our friend who is going to uh, work in Palestine with the Palestinians, actually she'll need the Holy Spirit to do drama in a way that brings a glimpse of heaven to earth. And the Holy Spirit came upon the judges and the leaders that they might lead. But it was just for a few people, for specific tasks. But the joy of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit has come As the prophet Joel foretold, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This isn't just something for Ruth and Simon and Dawn. This is something for all of us. And the Holy Spirit is at work in all of us. As you have come to know Jesus Christ, so the Holy Spirit is at work in you. John the Baptist spoke of Jesus baptizing with the Spirit And Jesus himself anticipated the coming of the Spirit when he said, breathed on the disciples and said, receive my Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra for any of us. He is intrinsic to all that we are and all that we do in so many different ways. And so we're told, so many different words are used. Be baptized with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be anointed with the Spirit. And we fall out over these words. Just let God's Spirit renew you each day and touch you each day. If you remember, the disciples had seen their Lord and Savior crucified and then ascend into heaven. And they were confused and they were bewildered and they were frightened and they were anxious. And then the Holy Spirit came. And so from a group of separate individuals, they began to be the body of Christ here on earth. And we need that. We're all a bit odd and a bit peculiar in different ways. And it is the Holy Spirit who brings us together to be a body. It was just as the disciples might have thought of going back to their day jobs, of thinking it was all too hard and too tough, having seen Jesus ascend and just wondering what this kingdom of God was all about. But it wasn't quite what they had expected. It wasn't quite what they had imagined. It would have been so easy to go back to the fishing and the tax collecting and the other things. The dream of a new world with God leading them forward and everyone having a part in it seemed a little remote as they waited in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. And maybe there are times we feel a bit like that. Church can be hard work. Life can be brutal. We can be worn down by disappointments, by how hard it is all. We, we had a dream and we thought, God, you're going to do this and it's going to be amazing. 
And then it doesn't quite work out how we expect. And we see our own failure and our own brokenness. And into this discouragement, the Holy Spirit comes, maybe just in a little quiet voice, or maybe in something bigger, shocking, a violent wind, tongues of fire, strange languages being spoken as they were on that first Pentecost Sunday, as we now call it. Do you know, I don't know what God's plans are. What I do know is God works in all kinds of different ways. And God works here by his spirit. And God works gently and kindly and wisely and beautifully. And maybe sometimes God works in other ways. But what I do know is that God is longing to work by his spirit amongst us in your life and mine. And God is saying to us today, I believe, wherever you are, whatever your situation, let my spirit lead you forward. I was with a dear friend on Friday. She has served in mission in Indonesia for many years. Uh, She's now suffering very badly from cancer. And she was given six months to live uh, three years ago. And she can hardly move, and she's, but, but she's still reading theological stuff, and her mind is as alive and alert as it ever was. And she said to us on Friday, she said, you know, it's different now. Heavenly Father looks after me, but actually I have to just have conversations with him because I can't do anything anymore. And you know, it's amazing, all the simple things I'm relearning. She can't get out to buy milk, and the other day she had no milk, and she just said, well, Lord, what are we going to do about this? And the phone rang, and someone said, I'm just going to the shops, what can I get you? And the Holy Spirit sometimes brings milk. And then she said, actually, she's very clumsy now because she can't move very easily, and she's dependent on a lamp to be able to read. And she knocked the lamp off and broke it. And so she couldn't see, and she said, well, Lord, how am I going to sort the lamp out? Because her hands are so um, immobilized, she can't even get onto Amazon to get something sent the next day. And then a young man rang and said, could I come and talk to you about being single? Because Lish has been single all her life. And he's one of these people who just can put lamps right and sort them out. And so the Holy Spirit not just only brings milk, he brings sorts out lamps. Now, I don't mean to belittle the work of the Spirit, but actually, how are we alert to the fact that every hair on our head is numbered and God wants to be with us in the big things and the little things? And so I believe God wants to give us a deeper vision of his Spirit at work. His Spirit is working in so many different ways. His kingdom is coming as in heaven Every time we see God working in peace and grace in all kinds of different ways. I love that verse in Zechariah which says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I had that thought, I'm thinking I'm going to be in central London, the center of finance and the economy. And and God says, not by big financial institutions, not by military might, but by my spirit. But by my spirit working in a million relationships across the globe today, bringing love and peace and joy and justice. 
And as we wait on God and receive his spirit, God will surprise us. And maybe it will be for some of us a rushing wind and tongues of fire. And maybe for others it will be that little voice prompting us or that phone call. Galatians says, keep in step with the spirit. As far as we are able, ask God's spirit to be at work in you and through you giving words of comfort and encouragement, giving words to defend and to protect. I don't know about you, I leak. I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill me, and I know by half an hour later, actually, the pressures of life, the stuff has come in, and I've become angry or proud or selfish. So I need to keep asking for God's graciousness for God's spirit to be at work in me. So Pentecost as in heaven. C.S. Lewis said, if you seek earth, you get neither heaven nor earth. But if you seek heaven, then you will get heaven with earth thrown in. As we seek the spirit, as we seek heaven, as we seek God, let us seek that we might know him and receive all he has for us. By next Sunday, we will know who our next Prime Minister is going to be for the next few years. And the world will change in the light of that. The stock market will go up or down or round. The the currency rates will change. But next Sunday, God will not have changed his purposes and his plans. He will continue to be at work by his Holy Spirit, He will continue bringing a new heaven and a new earth where his reign of love and justice, kindness, peace, holiness and joy wins through for everyone who believes. And for many this seems ridiculous. In the rational world of high finance, fast-moving technology, political and business empires, this is nonsense. But do you know the only thing that changes the human heart is the work of God's Spirit. The only thing that actually brings a solution to broken relationships, deep flaws in character, and the huge issues of selfishness, pride, and insecurity is God at work amongst us. So may we be a Pentecost people who keep the presence of God by his Spirit at the heart of all we are and all we do. And whether God's Spirit comes in little ways, quiet ways, small ways, or he comes like a devastating tornado or inferno, may his kingdom come. May his will be done on earth as in heaven.